Our Father, we're so thankful that you have given us this day, the preparation day for the Sabbath, and we pray that we'll be found faithful in, in having our hearts ready for your Sabbath day. We also ask you that your Holy Spirit will be with us during this, this um, seminar, that um, all that is said and thought would be to your honor and to your glory. In your name I pray, amen. Yeah, so Dave's probably mentioned this. I'm coming in, it's like we could, could be repeating, but uh, skill development, we're doing a full skill development this year, and um, I don't think we've ever done the full skill development. Maybe we have. Um, welcome. And what, um, so there's the two big seminar times we usually knock off during camp meetings. So next year we'll do a full basic staff training. There is some speculation that we might have a full adventurer basic staff training, and that's where, that's where we'll um, talk about that, Sarah, if, you know, which, which way you want to go. Um, we do have a, um, we do adventurer basic staff training at the adventurer workshop, the leader shop, which is the uh, third weekend in August. And we do half of the basic staff training on that, on that um, weekend. And then the next year, you can choose to pick the other half. So in two years, you could get your basic staff training. And then at the Pathfinder Leader Shop, we do, on a Sunday morning, I do four of the eight uh, basic staff trainings. And then we have one in the afternoon. So you can get five of the eight at the Leader Shop of the basic staff training. Uh, that's up at Campus Sable as well, yeah. And that's the fourth weekend of, of, the, uh, of August. Fourth or third? Wait, you said third last time. Third is right. Third is Adventurers. Third is Adventurers. And then fourth is, those are our, our basic, that's our, um, our Pathfinder staff training and our Adventurer staff training, our back-to-back -back weekends at Campus Sable. So we, we expect all of the Pathfinder leaders it's actually a requirement to have a Pathfinder director or a leader come to our leadership. We don't require it from our adventurer folks. Um, uh, we haven't gotten to that point where we require that. By the fourth weekend in August. Is the path, Pathfinder, Pathfinder leadership, yeah. So, and then we will have full skill development and full basic staff training the last weekend in October and places to be announced. <laughs> They're gonna be regional. And um, we'll probably have one, most likely we'll have one in the Detroit area, Sarah. Um, and then we will have, most likely have one either in Grand Rapids or Lansing. And there'll be one down in Berrien Springs. There'll probably be one in Indiana and Illinois as well. So uh, depending on teachers, instructors. And so we'll be combining with Lake Region and instructors will be doing um, a tag team effort with that. Probably have adventures. We, and so we could never get anybody to commit prior to, but now they're in the middle of summer camp, and so it's most likely going to be August before we know that. But those are some of the things that's coming down the pipe um, that you can choose from. Can you find that on the official website? No, it's not there. It's all in, oh, you, they'll be sending an email out, um, but we can put it on the Michigan website of of the training, so we'll do that. All right, so that's that. Let's go into inviting students to accept Christ. I, I put this together, I've used this for um, the school teachers, that's why it says students at the top, so 
apologize for that. But um, this is for moms and dads, Pathfinder directors, adventure directors, Sabbath school teachers, uh, just local members of the church, because it's our responsibility to have these students accept Christ. Um, obviously, we're just going through these six, these six steps here. Number one is to build your own relationship with Jesus. Amen. Because there's no better person um, to designate a fake than a young person. They can pick a fake out pretty quick. And, um, but if you truly exude Jesus, you don't even try to be like Christ, right? Because the Bible is really clear that um, if you accept me, I'm in the Father, I will be in you and you are in me. And so you can't help but to exude Jesus Christ with, when you have a relationship with him. So what, is, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? Because that's the thing just thrown out so easily now. I have a good relationship with Jesus. What does that mean? What are some very tangible things that we can start putting little bullets on? Trust. Okay. All right. What's some more, some more tangible things? Time. What does time mean? What is, well, yeah, what does time mean? I spend time with Jesus. I, I, I spend time with Jesus. Okay, 10 seconds. I just spent time with him. What's that? A thoughtful, hour. a thoughtful hour every day. That's true. So, prayer and Bible study. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, those are tangible things, right? An hour, thoughtful hour, um, starting off the day. Very good. All right. And what does trust mean? Okay. Okay. Believe what he says. All right. All right. So as we're going through this, how are you doing on all of these things, right? That's what number one's all about. How are you doing on, on all of these things? So what are some other things we had? Oh, you said prayer and Bible study. Prayer, Bible study. All right. What else? I have times to answer the acts that know them intimately versus casually. Okay. So how do we how do we know that intimately? <laughs> okay, all right. So that's what. It, so relationship is an intimate relationship with Jesus. All right. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. So so that'd be kind of part of Bible study. You do you're, some tactical stuff here. So memorizing. Okay. No, actions that, sorry, actions that seize him. So, so living that out in your life. Okay, so actions. Is that, that's another word I heard. Fruits. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. So it's, yeah, all right. Ah, there, so it is. I... When I think of love, the first thing that comes into my mind, Jane Harris. It's, I, it's just part of my DNA, right? And so first thing you get up in the morning, that's the If your first thought when you get up in the morning is Jesus Christ, chances are you got a really good relationship with him. 
if you're all of a sudden doing a checklist of stuff, then perhaps there's something where we can work on, right? All right, good, excellent. So number one's a biggie. And so the question is, is how, how, are we all, how are we all doing on that one, right? Yes? When I look up there, I happen to see the word elation inside of relationship. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. I like it. Elation. Elation is within relationship. Be excited about Jesus. Yeah, good. So, with that, we need to build that. It doesn't mean uh, that I'm baptized. I've almost had my master guide, and so I have attained it, right? No, it's the, the idea is we continue to build it. The sanctification process is an important thing. The Lord's still working on me, and if you're like me, I think the Lord's still working on all of you, right? And so we want to build um, our relationship with Jesus. So that's pretty, that's, a, that's the key. Without it, you really can't, inv- you really can't invite young person, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he, he, he wants, but if he's going to use you, you have to have a vital relationship with him. Number two is praying for the students individually. Praying with them individually. Now, how many of you find yourself doing that? Do you pray with, with kids that you don't really know well on an individual basis? Or do you just, you just, pray, with the, just pray with kids that you know? Obviously, you're going to pray with your own kids or maybe you pray with kids that, that are assigned or that just happens to be that the, you're teaching juniors and they're in your junior class and so you automatically pray for them. But do you pray with them individually? Do you, do you call them on the phone? Do you go out of your way to make sure that, uh, that it, like if Luke, Lucas was over there standing by himself in the, in the uh, foyer of the church, are you the one that's going to go over there and say, hey, Lucas, how are you doing? If you do that, that's, that's an, a vital thing. If you're not doing that, I was a junior teacher, junior team teacher and Pathfinder leader in Charlotte for years and years and years. And I never prayed with those kids except at the club meetings. I never prayed with them. And then I wasn't intentionally going to them or intentionally calling them. Now on a daily basis, I'm emailing, I'm texting, um, Facebook messaging um, prayers to these young people all over, they're all over the United States. I'm very intentional about it because I want to be found faithful. Many of them are going down the wrong path and uh, if they know that someone's praying for them, um, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But intercessory prayer, what, is, what does it mean to have an intercessory prayer? Anybody have any ideas? You are the middleman between God and them. Is that an important place to be? Is it a scary place to be? But to me, it's, it's um, intercessory prayer. It's kind of taken on a new meaning for me here in this last, well, probably the last two or three years. I, I heard it from somebody. I'd give credit if I knew who it was. But it said, the, the person had said that, you know, there's that, there's that agreement between God and Satan, whatever those agreements are of how, how the devil, how much the devil can put on you. And, and sometimes God can't move on somebody without permission. And that permission may be your prayer. And so I pray, when I have intercessory prayer, I've said, Lord, 
if it is my prayer that'll move the hand of heaven to move Satan out of the way for the, for the well-being of Lynn, in Jesus' name and for your sake, if it's my prayer, please move. Oh, that's a pretty powerful prayer. And the spirit of prophecy is very clear that those type of prayers are heard, intercessory. And so if you're praying intercessorily, intercessorily, I don't know which way, which way to say it, um, you will have a different relationship with that young person because you know what you're praying with them. And have you ever had anybody say, we're in a conversation, you're telling me all your problems, and uh, you go, I'm going to pray for you, buddy. And then I, and I may have good intentions, but I forget all about the conversation. Anybody ever done that? Right? But if, you were, if I really truly value you know, Bob's concerns that he, he brought up to me, um, and I pray intercessory for and an intercessory prayer for Bob, I'm going to be following up on how things are going, right? And so that's a vital thing. And when young people know, they know, so if I see Leanne, you know what, Leanne? Hey, I've been praying for you, young lady. And then I just walk off. You're going to go, you haven't been praying for me. So you're just trying to make conversation, Pastor Craig. But if I say, Leanne, I prayed for you on Thursday. Um, you know what, how powerful that is. Um, there's one pastor that calls me just out of the blue. I know, it's just random. Um, he calls from Tennessee. He used to be a pastor here in Michigan. And he says, hey, Craig, can I, can I pray with you? I go, that's all he called for. He called to pray with me. He does it to all, people all over the United States. And I just, I'm buoyed up from that, from that prayer. And I'm 55 years old, right? What it, what it does for young people. Um, yes? The other thing too, though, the person who's doing the prayer has that relationship Person's praying for. It. I mean, because if I don't have a to God, I'm praying, you know. It's right. It, it boils down to, to that right over there, doesn't it? That time and that thoughtful hour. One of the things that I ask the young people to do, and this is one of the one of the things that um, I do all the time. I just I've done it probably six times here in campus because kids I know. I'll just go up to them and and I'll I'll just say uh, on a scale of one to ten, where are you with Jesus? One being they already, most of these kids already know what I mean when I'm one, on a scale of 1 to 10. One being, I barely remember to say a prayer before I eat. Or 10 is, I spend as much time in prayer as I do eating. That's for that thoughtful hour. If you think about how much time we eat, breakfast, 20 minutes, lunch, 20 minutes, supper, 20 minutes or so, that's kind of that thoughtful hour in prayer. That's 10. So I'll just go up, where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? with Jesus right now, and they'll just go, I go, what are you going to do to go to a three? You want to be a three? And they always say, yes, I want to be a three. I says, what are you going to do? And that's where I have these, I'm texting people as much as I possibly can remember. I write it in my phone. I got little reminders on my phone. Time to text, you know, time to text Lucas. Because I made an agreement that I would text him on a weekly basis to see if he's become a three, Right? And uh, so if they're a one, I go, praise the Lord. What are you going to do to be a two? <laughs> right? I barely remember to pray. And so the next time I see them, are you praying before your meals? And they go, yeah, that's a two. All right. <laughs> and so you continue to grow that. And because you are asking them 
and holding them accountable for that. Every time you see them, every week you see them at church, or maybe you see them, you talk to them every, every month or every two months. You just stop by and, are you, how are you doing? You're a four still or what? Some of these kids will say, I'm down to a one. And then, and they won't tell anybody else, but they're telling you because you're asking them, right? And those are some important steps to know your relationship with Jesus and with you praying for them, you're already building, as, as Doc said, you're already building a relationship with them because you're praying with them, right? We're going to get to some things about earning the right to, uh, to talk to these kids. Um, and so pray with them personally over the phone. Um, I've, I'm, a big, I, I'm not a big click person. I'm a click buster kind of person. Maybe if we have time, we'll, we'll do some click busting here. But... Um, so when I was pastoring Holland, I, wanted, I didn't want our elders talking to each other at all. I wanted our elders going to where the lonely people are and going over there and just and, and rubbing shoulders. If we see each other talking, says that's, I'll be frustrated if I see you guys talking together. We can talk elsewhere, but in the foyer. And so I'm always looking for the person who needs uh, attention. And I'm looking for the young people mostly and, um, and just praying and say, you know, how you doing? Just some small chit-chat, but then I'll ask them that question. How are you doing spiritually? And I didn't always do that. Um, I've done it as a pastor all the time, but as a layperson, I didn't do it for years and years until about the last six or seven years. We'll talk more about that. Number three is promote service to the community. And this one is kind of going into our school system, but this can be, I, I changed it here to Bible or family labs. You ever had family labs where you have a specific time where you're going to go out into this, to do something for somebody else? And uh, there's a few families that I know that have called it family labs. And the kids say, when are we having a family lab again? And daddy needs to be involved if daddy's around. And uh, they just have such... A grand, grand. I haven't used grand in years. I have a great time with, uh, where did grand come from? That's like my grandma. But, um, and so Bible or family life or family labs on a weekly basis so that the young people are involved in serving others, right? And then, um, and if you're the, maybe you invite some kids that aren't part of adventurers or aren't part of, Pathfinders and not part of Sabbath school. Maybe you invite them along with your family to do some type of outreach, and and then you can connect with them. The outreaches are, are some of the most important things that get young people um, involved. I imagine Lucas, if we were to say some of your most fun things you've done has been stuff that's outside of the club, right? Stuff that you do um, for other people, and it goes goes back to our prayer and Bible study time. If we just have prayer and Bible study time sitting in classes. Then, and we don't have any service, then we're, we're a very selfish group. Um, and so, and, prayer, and eventually prayer and Bible study goes away when we're not serving others. And so that's where Pathfinders is so strong and it, um, adventures to a point is that you teach and then we have the share your faith um, every single month where you have some opportunity to go share what other young people are doing or to other people. Um, teach them. Teach them to pray. Um, teach them to wash cars. One of the most frustrating things to do is to have a car wash 
with a bunch of teams and the people come up and they give you 10 bucks to, for your car wash or give you 20 bucks and they walk away and their car is filthy. And there's most of our kids don't know how to wash a car. Um, I did that one time and I'm going, oh boy, I blew this one. <laughs> so we stopped. We didn't have any more cars come in. And I said, you and you and you, you're going to go with, uh, you know, with this fellow over here and teach him how to wash this car. And I had to teach another. So we, had, we stopped, off our, uh, our, stopped our whole car wash production so we could teach him how to wash the car. And then we could, I could feel so much better about it. And the young people loved it because now they've got a skill that they didn't have, right? So we teach them skills. Teach them to wash cars. Teach them how to pray. Don't send them out going door to door. We're going to do a prayer walk today. And this is how you do it. No. Let them get comfortable with it. They're never, they're never going to be comfortable going door, door to door doing a prayer walk. But if you practice it at, at your home or, or at the church and, and let them practice with their friend and just get their confidence and then send them out. We had this boy named Chris. Chris was one of those guys who wouldn't say anything. He'd sit in the class up in Cadillac. And, and uh, we practiced for two weeks of how to pray at a door with somebody. And we had a little prayer walk thing, and a little card. And so this, it was pretty simple. And Chris did not want to go. I said, you come with me. And I said, I'm going to do two doors. And I know you. You can, you, you know this stuff. You, you're such an engaging young man. Don't be afraid. So I did the first two. And I said, okay, Chris, you're on. And I'm, I'm not even going to go to the door. You're on your own. I'm just going to stand back here. And he went up there. That guy. Hi, my name is Chris. Um, we're just out. Our, our youth group from the Seventh-day Adventist Church is out just getting prayer requests. I'm going, this guy, he's been holding out on me, right? <laughs> and, uh, and what a blessing. He came off after he said that prayer. And the prayer, I had tears in my eyes. His prayer was just beautiful. And it wasn't, you know, just, we taught him how to pray, but it wasn't a checklist thing. He prayed a prayer and he was talking to God, not talking to the people. He talked to God. And when he came off, he had this big smile. I go, whoa. So that was, a, that was a powerful prayer, Chris. And then from the rest of the time on, I just followed him around. right? And then he became the prayer coordinator. He was the leader. Every time we had prayer, he was the guy that, that scoped it all out. And so his, his faith grew and grew and grew. He joined the army and now he's out of the church. <laughs> He, he caved on Sabbath. Anyway, but um, he'll be back. He'll be back. Um, and so, you know, I always said Bible labs is the playing time. That's the most fun you have in school is Bible labs. If you're doing something that's worthwhile and for the community and you're rightly trained, right? And so... Those are some important things in helping students accept Christ. When we were in Cadillac, I had the pleasure of being a youth pastor under Quentin Purvis up in, uh, up in uh, Cadillac. And I was the Bible Labs coordinator. I didn't have any clue what Bible Labs was. You know, it was, didn't have it when I was a kid. And I heard about it, but it just seemed like they just went to the nursing home. You know, that's all they did. N nothing wrong with that. But, um, and so I said, man, we got we to gotta do something. And I, the Lord just led to the point there was this place called Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, and they were kind of a clearinghouse for people to, of need. Instead of them coming to your church asking for a handout, um, 
We say, oh, you know what? We get, if you call Love, Inc., they will clear you, and then they will call us and say, this is what your needs are. And it's just one way that churches can, can get out of that, that thing about you know, who to accept and not. And uh, they, somehow they got a hold of my number to, that we had a bunch of youth. And so, praise the Lord, long story short, Love, Inc., whenever they had something to do that nobody really wanted to do, they called the Seventh-day Adventist Church School. And the, I'm so thankful that the principal at the time understood ministry. He, was, he understood young people. He understood the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He'd call, they'd call me, Pastor Craig, we got, we got about 50 yards of gravel that's jumping on this, on this guy's um, lawn or on, on his uh, driveway, and we need that spread tomorrow. Can you help out? I said, let me check. I called the principal. It's 9.30 at night. I says, I need five guys tomorrow. Who do you have? He said, well, so-and-so's got his schoolwork all done, and this guy's being kind of, and I'm not going to send him because he's been mouthy or whatever. He gave me five guys, and I'd call those five guys, Bible labs tomorrow. They're going, oh, yes, no school. And uh, so they'd get there, and they'd come in work clothes, and we spread gravel. And, but we trained them, and it's just, it's just part of, we, it's just all part of this. We trained them to how to have a prayer with these people that we're serving. And so I said, don't wait for me. When the opportunity comes to pray, you guys are in charge of praying. And so I was, I was shoveling along with them, and, and next thing I know is, is um, uh, Cassie. She's over there, and I see this guy. He's got, he's, he's holding, he's got his little his crutches, and uh, he's leaning over, and Cassie's got, his, got her hand on his shoulder, and saying a prayer, I'm going, oh, way to go, Cassie, right? And that guy came up to me afterwards. He said, are these guys doing community service? Because no kids during the middle of the day unless they're doing community service. I go, no, these are kids from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They volunteered to do this. He says, that young lady right over there, I'd seen what she had done. Because she gave the most beautiful prayer. I never have been around young people like this. And so you train them, expect them to do stuff, and then go out and do service. It just builds their faith really, really, really strong. More than we can even imagine, right? You guys, you, we've all been there. We've all grown up. When you're doing something for somebody else, it just makes you feel good. Not for pay, but um, so promoting service to the community. A lot of communities will have some type of a, um, a clearinghouse nowadays, uh, whether it's Love, Inc., or whether it's... Um, Helping Hands or Friends Ministry or whatever. A lot of them will have something there. And it's a shame that our Adventist churches aren't more plugged in to some of these because we have our own. We have our own community service center. And, but if we can get them plugged into the community, um, maybe your family, maybe your Pathfinder Club, maybe your Adventure Club um, would be, or Sabbath School would, could plug into this community service type of thing. So... So we got the building your relationship. It all boils down to that. And then uh, praying for the students individually, teaching them to pray, and uh, promoting service to the, to the community. And number four is the worst one that adults do. just drives me crazy. It happens all the time. I, I'm driving around here and in some of our tents here. And um, in some cases... All of the guys are actively involved. And in some cases, guys, 
just standing, some of our pastors are standing watching, and I'm not throwing them under the bus, but we need to participate in the activities. So don't be a plan and part teacher, right? Or So you plan something, and then the kids are all over there, and all of the adults are over here just, you know, we, haven't, we haven't been able to catch up at all, right? So we all, hey, what are we doing? Hey, guys. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hey, did you guys have fun? Good, here's the next game. I'll show you how to do it. Oh, by the way, Sarah, you know what? <laughs> You've all seen it. It happens in all of our churches. Don't let that be you. You be part of the activity. That's what's good about Pathfinders. The Pathfinder director has to be involved. I mean, and that's the, that's the power of Pathfinder Ministries is uh, you're in there building the fires. You may not have to do everything. We don't want you to do everything, but your staff comes in. But certainly you should be in there digging in as well. I love march and drill. I didn't like teaching it, but I like being part of the team with it. And, and if I messed up, and then everybody would have a lot of fun. But um, and you'll hear it all the time. When we were running Junior 2 over here, uh, Pastor Ken Mitchell, myself, and Chuck Hanlon, and Kurt DeWitt, and we had a bunch, a bunch of us old-timers. <laughs> we used to run J2 about seven years ago. And uh, we, our philosophy was we need to play with the kids to earn the right to talk to them about Jesus Christ. Um, we might feel we have the right because we're pastors that we'll, we'll do this, but we're more effective when we play with them. They come in after playing and then we talk to them about Jesus. And we, we're going to use what we just did out there was intentional playing. We're going to set things up. We may do a particular game intentionally comes back to the main meeting and the main speaker is plugged in and just like what you did out there. And they bring a, a relevant Bible truth home. And so when you're involved in those activities and laughing and those type of things and then drive that, that message home is so important. One of the, one of the guys that um, was, um, what time am I supposed to quit? 3.15, good. Um, I was one of those kids that um, in that generation, most of us in here were in that generation where kids were uh, important, but you kind of were there, right? My, my particular church, uh, pastors, I don't remember a pastor ever really ever speaking to me um, individually. In a, as a group, yes, but individually, I don't remember a pastor ever doing that. One time I was, I was assigned, my dad was spreading asphalt or the top on an asphalt next to the pastor and uh, dad had to be called away and he called me in so I'm standing, I'm this far from the pastor working side by side with him for, oh, 45 minutes. He never said one word to me. I'm going, oh. It's just, I loved what I was doing, but I'm thinking, I tried to make conversation with him, and he just didn't, he didn't know how to identify with kids. And, uh, and I understand that now, but back then I'm thinking, yeah, right. And so when someone says, you need to be, become a pastor, when I found Jesus Christ and I had decided I'm going to be, I, I'm going to make, I want to work with young people. I want to make a difference in young people's lives. Someone says you should be a pastor. I'm going, right. I'd never gone to summer camp and never saw what, past, what some youth pastors do. 
And so I just laughed that off. I go, right, that's not happening. And then I, Ron Mills, like Pastor Ron Mills, oh, he's spending time with the kids. And so I got a new picture of it. But there's um, the pastors that play, the pastors that go into the schools, the, the Pathfinder leaders that go into the schools and say, hey, guys, can I, come, can I come and visit you guys or talk with a teacher? Those people, those, the kids just love, my Pathfinder leader is here. My adventurer leader is here. And uh, so those plan and, um, plan and be active is an important part of being able to earn the right to ask, ask these young people to accept Jesus Christ. Now, here we go. Those things are just all kind of setting it all up, right? We're, just, we're breaking barriers down. We're, we're praying with them. And then now, five and six is um, where it gets a little more difficult sometimes uh, because we're a little afraid of things. Um, but let them know that you really care about their spiritual life. And you can, this is my personal belief, you can really only do this if you've earned their trust. And so we've been earning the trust, the first four, right? First, um, and you've all, I've seen it, we don't preach it to them, we just kind of mention it to them. And uh, there's that letter C. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how's your walk with Jesus? And uh, you're just casually, you're not announcing it to the group. I, I teach this a class similar to this in, um, at Lyft. Well, not similar to this, but I asked the question of the Lyft kids. These are um, seventh and eighth graders. And, uh, and I just have them close their eyes and I have them hold their fingers up of where they are in that scale of one to 10. And uh, you can usually tell a family that has family worship, they're going to be over that six. They're going to over. They're going to be about six or seven. Nobody ever puts a ten up. Rarely do I get a seven because they're they're all about it. some of the kids that have family. And I ask them, I say, how many of you have family worship in here? A little bit later, and all those kids that are in that area, they had their relationship, their time with Jesus was a six. But most of the kids are about a two or a three. Most of our kids at the seventh and eighth grade, and it's very sad to me, uh, in our schools, these are in our schools, right? And they're about a three, two or three, some, there's definitely some ones, and there's a lot of them in that five and six, but nobody really ever goes high, you know, because that hour, that thoughtful hour, scares them to death, right? <laughs> well, I don't know, there's no way I spent an hour. And uh, for a seventh and eighth grader, or, yeah, um, but if you ask them that, and then if, if they say, I'm just a one, you just say, can I help you with that? Can, what, do you have a plan? And if they say, I don't have a plan, then you just come in, I've got a plan. Here's a book. Read the book of Mark. Start with the book of Mark. It's full of stories. Read one story heading to the next. And I show my Bible, but my Bible's there, or... And all you're going to do each day is just read from one, this one story heading. If there's only two verses, that's all you're going to do. You're going to read that story, and then you're going to say, what does that story tell about Jesus, and how did Jesus treat those people? That's all you got to do. Can you do that? Can you do that in about five minutes? They go, oh yeah, I can do that in five minutes. I have had zero people tell me. Not one person has said, that's too much. So I'm just asking them for five minutes to read that, what, uh, uh, how did Jesus treat the people and what happened in the story? And so next time I see him, if I remember, 
I'll just say, uh, you know, how's, you know, did you read Mark? And um, I have some email folks coming in. It's, it's kind of dwindled down a little bit. I used to have a Bible study on email. I sent it out. People would have to reply back, and we kind of had a lot of fun with that. But, um, but we're not preaching it. One of the dangers of a pastor is they, Lucas expects me to talk about Jesus. You guys expect me to talk about Jesus because I'm a pastor, right? As a layperson, they're not always expecting you to talk about Jesus. And so the power, the, you guys have so much more inroads than I do. I have some doors that I can go through that you can't, but you have more doors, I believe, with all my heart, more doors to the hearts of young people than a pastor does. Um, because I mean, if you follow these things, because your relationship, because your intentionality of having them know Jesus Christ. Um, and then every, in a letter D, introduce Jesus into every class. Introduce Jesus into everything, everything possible. You're not preaching it. There was a, there was a fellow by the name of Jim. Uh, I was, I'm thinking I was 12 or 13 years old. Not, I haven't given my heart to Jesus at all. Uh, kind of looking forward to 18 because I was going to, my first thing I was going to do in my life was go to uh, the University of Football, University of Michigan football game on Sabbath when I was 18 years old. My parents wouldn't allow me to do it beforehand. So my mindset, that was it. It was all sports, sports, sports. And, uh, uh, and like I say, the pastors really didn't seem to care. They had teachers that did. And um, but I was on a golf course. And it was the men's golf tournament. And we were just of age. I think we must have been 12 or 13 where we, could, we were invited. And everything evolved around golf or baseball for me. And I could not wait to go to this. My dad pumped me up. You know, we're all excited. And so my three buddies were standing right there. And, and uh, they had the morning devotion. The head elder had the, had the morning devotion. And it was good, you know. What, what better place to have a morning devotion on the first tee, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so it was all done. We're all getting ready to, what team, I was, I was thinking, what team am I going to be chosen on? And, and I hope I'm on my dad's team because we'd win and that type of thing, you know? And, uh, and Head Elder, the guy that just gave the, the devotion, said, well, what are we going to do about the kids here? Because whatever team they're on is going to be weaker. And just like, you all did the same thing. And we did the same thing. It must have been our faces shown or something. But it, I remember it like, like it was yesterday. We're really not wanted here. But there's a guy back there. His name is Jim. And Jim had a ponytail. And, uh, and he was one of those guys that we were taught, you know, people with long hair or, or rebels, that type of thing. But I, everything I had seen about Jim was positive. But all the adults were saying negative things. Jim saw our faces. And he lit him up. And he said, that's okay, guys. Don't worry about it. I'll take all three of these guys on my team. And he came by and he just, he just patted us on the shoulder. Come on, guys, let's go. And he was so hot. He put the, the tee in the guy. He said, we're going first, he said. And he put the ball in there and, and he went, wham! And boom! We're going, yes, we're going to win! <laughs> we and everybody's real quiet. And he says, tee it up, guys. And he's encouraging us, encouraging us. And we're going out. We had, I never had so much fun in my life on the golf course with this rebel. But this rebel quotes, for those of you listening on tape, it's in quotes. 
mentioned Jesus' name, I don't know, somewhere in the golf, on the golf match there, mentioned Jesus' name in a way that I had never heard it before. He didn't use it in vain at all. He used some analogy about that's kind of the way Jesus is. And I'm going, what are you talking about? I'm not born again. I'm going, what? And then we think, as I'm thinking along, I said, that's, that's really weird. You know, you know how you are kids. That's weird. And then as time went on, he did it again. He mentioned, he, the guy was intentionally bringing Jesus in to a time where we're really enjoying ourselves on a golf course. He intentionally brought Jesus in and made things relevant to us. I can't remember what they were, but at the time it really made an impression on me. And at the very end, we, we ended up tying, long story, we ended up tying and we had to do a putt-off on the putting green. And uh, Jim had a putt from here to, to Lynn away to make, and he invited, he was going to make it, but he invited all of us guys to get a read of the putt, which way it's going to break on the, on the greens. And you know, We're all looking down there, and he's just, he just we would done, we'd have run through a, we would have run into the street for him, right? Get hit by a car at this time. But he said, I think it's going to go that way. He says, yeah, I think you're right, guys. And he put that thing and we just mobbed and we won. We got ice, we got the ice cream, right? And, uh, but it was right then and there that I anchored down that that's what I'm going to be like to young people. It was Jim, long-haired rebel Jim, making Jesus Christ relevant in everyday life. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And so when I was asked to go into the ministry my, in, when I was in college, I go, no way. I'm going to be like Jim. I'm going to be like my pastor. Be like Jim. And uh, I'm throwing the pastor under the bus. It's just He had different, different. Uh, you don't understand. I don't, I don't mean to be messing that. But uh, so if you know that you care about the spiritual, I didn't get it when I was 12 or 13 years. I'm thinking, that's, that's kind of weird. But, you know, as things went along and as my journey with Christ came on, I could go back to that point and say, that's one of those anchor points that really helped me. That's what camp meeting is. You hope that somebody at camp meeting on the playground or in a tent or somebody come, one of those pastors or somebody will come up and, and drop an anchor point for, the, for us, for our young people. They can say, I went forward at the teen tent. In primaries, I made a decision for Jesus Christ. And it's this kind of those little journeys, right? Um, we've all had those. You guys all have those little anchor points. And so if we can be kind of helping the way with some of these anchor points. Just, I remember that Leanne gal. I don't remember her last name. But she prayed for me, and she had no idea that I needed someone to pray with me. And you don't know, Right? Um, and then I put in here, Bible class must be fun. My Bible must be used. I get a little frustrated sometimes with, with our curriculum. We have Bible class, but the Bible isn't used. But um, I get a little frustrated with that. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Um, one of the things, again, I'm, this is part of my journey, but part of the things I use are part of my journey. Um, I had a teacher who, um, his name was Welton Ingram, and he saw that the Bible curriculum for the ninth and 10th graders in our school system was not meeting the needs of this particular class. And so he got, I'm assuming he got permission from the conference office, I don't know. But he went to this book right here 
and a little book called Steps to Christ. And that was our workbook for the entire year, our ninth grade year. And what we do, would do is, um, and this works with young people. If you're looking for some way, this is, I give this assignment to young people um, all the time, is on the front cover you put two different colors on there. One, let's say one be blue, and that's what Jesus does. And, and one in green, what I would do, what I'm supposed to do. And so as you read through, you'll find out, you, you, you mark in blue those things that, that God does for you. And you find out that most of the stuff in here is what God does for you in Steps to Christ. Green, you're going to find three things. If you boil it all down, you're going to find three things that we're supposed to do. We're to pray, we're to have Bible study, and we're supposed to, to tell others about Jesus. We're, we're to serve. And, uh, and so we, that would be a homework. We'd send, he'd send the book home with us, and um, we'd read certain pages, and we would, we'd come in, and we'd just throw the Steps to Christ book in his, in his um, in-basket, and he'd check that, he'd grade it, and that was all the grading we had. We never had a test. We sat and listened to a tape on the Steps to Christ. And, um, and then when we were all done with that, he gave us a brand new Steps to Christ, and we started all over again. And in the meantime, I started falling in love with a Savior that I never knew. Didn't know it was happening, but I am realizing my need for Christ. And, and so that's one of those important things. We had our Bibles open, and he says, you know, he says, I noticed, Craig, you, you underlined the thing that says Matthew 27, 46. Did you guys read that? And so we'd, we'd open it up, Matthew 27, 46, and just make it very relevant of what we're doing. And so a teacher that understood his, his, um, his kids, his students, um, took that risk to have us really, and then and, uh, two of us were... Uh, we became born again at that time. Um, and so there's some really good books up there. You know, you see these, these are the, you, know, you can get those for under a dollar. Um, and then these are kind of a nice little book here, they look, but they're hard to, they're kind of that waxy paper, but they look good. If you give them a highlighter, they could use it instead of a crayon. But, um, and so uh, teens really like this one, this colorful one. It's got the pictures in it, and it's got a lot of white space. And uh, so this is, um, this is, I think it's like, yeah, that can't be right. This is three ninety nine. That's that's not right. That's not three ninety nine. Maybe it is. This is a dollar twenty nine. I can't. It doesn't make. There's something wrong. <laughs> there's something wrong. And there's only just a few of these up there, but they can order them. Um, she's got a lot of these. But that's a publication. This is Pacific Press. And I think this is Pacific Press, too. Yeah, this is, they're both Pacific Press. So. But this is a powerful book for helping young people know Jesus Christ. Um, teens, juniors to teens. But teens really get into that because uh, it's tactile. They, they have to think. And all they have to do is underline. But they have to think about, is this something that I do? Or is this something that God does? Um, so giving them something fun with that. And then, anybody ever familiar with the, uh, the love languages, the five love languages? I believe it with all my heart. I just think, that, I think it's true. I think it's true. But everybody needs to be uh, affirmed. One of the most frustrating things to myself and Pastor Ken is, is you get some 
boy or some young girl that gets up and reads the scripture and at, at a local church and they just kind of mumble like this and, and nobody heard. Nobody knew where the text was and they didn't hear him. But what do the people do? You did such a good job. And you're going, no, she didn't. She didn't really do a good job. You're not going to tell that girl that, but you can take her aside and say, you know what I've learned? Let me show you something. This is, how, this is how I like to read the scripture. And maybe you can use it sometime. I'm not going to say you did a bad job. But next time she gets up, so you teach the young people, this is, this is how you read the scripture. You say the text. John 3.16 is our text for today. Then they count to six. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. And on the six, they go, John 3.16. Then they wait three more seconds. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. The Bible says in John 3, 16, and then you read that, and everybody has a chance to get to it. You're not saying, if you're, if you're there, say amen. You're not saying all these things. And then you coach them to be successful. And they will read scripture all day long. And so when we affirm people, we want to give them a, a real affirmation. If they, didn't, if they knew they didn't do well and you said they did excellent, that's not a true affirmation. You say, man, I'm so proud that you got up there. And then this kind of coached them along, right? Right, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. And so anyway, that's, just, that's a, one of my soapbox things. And then, the yes? You can still affirm them. I, I know there's some kids that um, you don't necessarily have to say they did a good job, but that you're proud that they got up. Had the yes. To get up. Because we had some students that sang in a court, quartet or quintet young men. And some of these men are, kids are painfully shy. Yeah, oh yeah. And they're like, pray for me because I'm going up, you know, it's at school because they're going up front. And they struggled through the song. But we still enjoyed it. Yeah, because you know. <laughs> and so hard for them. And by the end of the school year, they had really blossomed. You know, they had sung together for a little while. They were more comfortable. Yes. And that first time they sang for church was a little bit rough, but we were very thankful that they had gotten up and that they had Amen. So, yes, thank you for that. We want to affirm them that they did that, but if they need some coaching, you don't want them to continue in the, the bad journey, reading scripture poorly. Thank you for that. Now, our society has really done something. Um, our churches had to respond to what society is doing on touching. Um, there, are, there are so many kids that need uh, an appropriate touch. Our, our, there's kids on this campus that need an appropriate touch. Unfortunately, you know, we're really not encouraged. I, I will, I'm constantly, because Jim touched me on my shoulder. He says, come on, you're on my team. And when I, and when I made the call to, to baptism, Joe Maloshenko touched me on that same shoulder, right? And so that's what I do with guys. I'm going to go through and go, Good to see you, buddy. You doing all right? And, I, and if I'm closer to him, I'll, I'll give him a hug, and I'm just going to pat him. I'm going to pat him on that shoulder. I just want him to know an appropriate uh, touch. Of course, with, with gals, I'm going to still, I, I usually will give high fives to gals, but sometimes if I know there's a particular gal here that tried to commit suicide um, because um, somebody um, touched her inappropriately, um, her father touched her inappropriately, so she's seeking a um, 
somebody that she can go to. And so I would give them Bible studies to her. So when I see her, I'll use you as an example, if you can stand up. When I see her, I'll give her a high five, but I know that she needs, yeah, she needs a hug. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm going to give her a side hug. I'm not gonna, she'll, she'd want to give me a hug like this, but I'm, I just do the little Adventist <laughs> dance, right? <laughs> I'm going to spin around. But some, and there would be some places in some um, seminars, probably right here on this campus, will say, hands off. Well, I understand that. I do understand that. Um, and so I'm very, very cognizant of the fact that I need to be very, very careful. Um, but I'm going to, you know, most of the time I'm just going to say, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And then that's, that's an appropriate touch. Um, and so you just have to, especially with that girl that needs a dad, you know, I have to be really careful with her, but she needs a hug. She does need a hug. So. Just say one of my favorite parts when you have that director is, mainly with the juniors, but sometimes with the TLTs, is the hugs. Yeah. It's kind of very <laughs> my little girls are always giving me hugs, and even some of the boys and I that just I have to say it's my favorite, my favorite part. Because not only does it mean something to them, but it really means something to us as a director. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The kid that I was really frustrated with that night because I couldn't be able to buy it down, and I keep it everyone like the next one, they, they're like, good morning, Mrs. Lemon, they give me a big hug, and it's like, oh, okay, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, we must talk about the tone. Right. And then it's dangerous for me to be saying this being recorded. Um, and so, but you guys get the, you get the idea. There's an appropriate touch and then there's inappropriate touches. And so, but we do have to be very, very careful, very, very careful with that. Um, number six is the vital thing. We've built relationships. You've got a relationship with Jesus. You've been building this. You've been asking them. And now you need to ask them to accept Jesus as your Savior. Anybody ever done that to anybody? Has anybody ever in this room asked someone? Okay, very good. So, very good. Um, so what, you know, the, the key is to ask them. Uh, what can I do to help you know Jesus better? You can pray for them, hold them accountable. We talked about that. And then it's just a matter of just asking the question, um, have you ever thought about giving your heart to Jesus? And the answer usually is yes. Yes. And then what do you do after that? Would you like to give your heart to Jesus today? And the answer is usually yes. Or maybe not quite yet. Or I don't know how. If you don't know how, or here we go, right? You got some steps here on how to do that. I bring the pastor in. And, um, not every pastor is kid-friendly, right? Not every pastor has, has a, um, a natural kinship to, to young people. And, um, and, so you may, and so they may not want to have the pastor study with them, but you never leave the pastor out of a loop on, any, on anything. Some, some folks will want to take their kids because I'm the youth guy, I know how to connect with them, but you never leave your pastor out of the loop. And so... Um, this pastor says, I got a young person that wants to study the Bible to be baptized. Do you mind if I give the studies? And every pastor would say, Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> and, uh, um, 
and then include the pastor in it because he's going to want to clear them or if he trusts you to clear them, you know, just work very closely with them. Um, true story, in, in closing here, there's a, I was the Pathfinder director, I was the uh, junior leader and the head elder of the church um, in Charlotte. And we had a bonfire out to our house, as uh, many of you guys have had bonfires, and we had uh, juniors, teens, and the Pathfinders uh, all out there. And Janie, you know, Sarah knows my wife, how just she throws it out. Sarah throws a lot of big parties too. Um, it's just all done up well, decorated nice. And so Janie called everybody in, and I went out by the bonfire, and I'm just poking around in the bonfire. I, I love fires, and uh, as I think, I know this guy loves fires, and <laughs> any Pathfinder guy loves fires, right? And so I'm poking around, and, and Christy is there. Christy's about 13 years old or so, and, and uh, just, just poking in the fire, and she's just hanging around the fire with me. She's a fire bug too, and just chit-chatting. And the Holy Spirit, I know it was the Holy Spirit, said, ask her about her walk with Jesus. Now, to this point, I hadn't done this before, right? I had never, I never had asked that question. I just passed it off and said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I don't know what to say." And uh, and so we poked, and I changed the subject very quickly in my head. Started talking, and then but a little bit sooner, I got quiet, quieted down again, and poking around. And Holy Spirit said to me, "Ask her how her walk with Jesus is." And I'm arguing with Jesus. Um, the Holy Spirit saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I was afraid. I was afraid. And finally, in my mind, I'm going, all right, I will. So I didn't know what to say. I just said these words, Christy, how is your walk with Jesus going? She started to cry. Yeah, it's exactly. See? See? There they go. That's why I didn't want to do this. So I got a girl crying at the, and there's nobody, my wife's not here. I got to, and then when this, the crying started, I just said, did I say something wrong? She goes, I wanted to be baptized, but no one's asked me. And I was rebuked right then. I was rebuked. And um, I says, well, that's pretty easy to do. What would you want to do? He goes, would you study the Bible with me? I said, sure. I said, that was my first, the Lord helped me with my first one be successful. <laughs> right? And from then on, I just realized, you, the Lord has called me. How many people have gone through and been sitting around a campfire or sitting, or just having an opportunity one-on-one -on -one, that the Lord's saying, okay, Harris. And, he never, and I never did. I didn't do it. And uh, so I try not to have any of those moments pass by again. I want to be faithful and uh, to be a gym Right? That's okay. I understand what you're going through. And so that's how, that's about, yes, sir. Um, you know, you can hear the whole pastor or follow up. Occasionally you have a, there's a pastor who just doesn't do follow up. What do you do on that? You know what? That's a really good question. The question for the people listening on tape is, on the, on the sheet here, I got um, let the pastor know that the decision has been made and then hold the pastor accountable to follow up. Um, and if the pastor doesn't want to follow up, what do you do? Uh, we had several of those type of folks, um, situations come through. And 
call the youth department. Um, and um, what we do, we don't, we're not going to, I love every single one of our pastors. What I do is I just go over to the ministerial department. And if I know that pastor, I'll call him up and say, dude, what is, what is up, right? You know, you got this, and I just get, there's always another side of the story most of the time. But if the pastor just, just is not following through on those, I usually go to the ministerial department and then they just take care of it and, and things always get better with that. We're, my job is to help the local church. My job is to help support that local pastor. And so we're actually an assistant pastor. You guys have, don't think you have a youth pastor in your church? You do. It's uh, Pastor Ken, it's myself, and Chad Bernard. We're your youth pastors. And so... Um, and we can help you with that. And we never will throw a pastor under the bus. We will come in and say, hey, is there anything that we can do to help with, with this particular situation? And like I say, most of the time, there's always another side to the story, but not always. And I've had to go to the ministerial. And he says, you know, hey, this is, this is kind of what's going on. I talked to the pastor, and maybe is there something that you can do with this particular situation? And I don't even know what happens after that. But uh, it seems to have gotten better because um, you know, the, the end result is that the young person was baptized. So, what studies would you recommend? What studies do I recommend? That's it's really a it's really a um, an armor you're in, in your own armor. The one that I think that is the best, and I use it for adults as well. I'm not a big fill in the blank guy. Um, I'm more of an open Bible guy. And not everybody likes, likes that, and not everybody can do that. But the Bible study that I like the best is, um, oh, yeah, yeah. What's that? Oh, what'd you say? I said, now you're going to forget it. I am forgetting it. Right now it's green. Um, oh. There's only, yeah, it's, it's my choice. That's it. It's my choice. There's only five questions in the lesson, and they're just, Basically, and there's a work, there's a teacher's edition that goes with it. And uh, the teacher's edition is pretty good, but um, you might get some ideas from it that's really good. Uh, there's five questions in this lesson. It's not comprehensive. This is really for you to really get a good feel as to uh, what their, their walk with Jesus really is. And this one focuses really on Jesus Christ. It, it touches on all of the aspects of uh, the 28 fundamental beliefs. But there's really only five questions in each one, and they have to read that text, and then they have to write what that text means to them with some coaching. Um, that's what I primarily use. It's called It's My Choice. Uh, like I say, the teacher's edition is very helpful if you don't know what to do. I took, I read the teacher's edition, but I just kind of made, made it my own. Like, what's that? It does. It does. And reading, if the reading comprehension is not, not high, what I've done is I've taken those old time King James Version um, children's Bible studies that are in the little cellophane, uh, the little cellophane wrapper that ABC sells them. They've been around for years. I took those, a very elementary reading, and I put them in, I typed them up into my own study so it doesn't look like a little kid's study. And if for for young people that have a hard time with reading comprehension or maybe have a learning disability or an adult with a learning disability, I go through those lessons. They are very comprehensive, very simple, um, but they think that it's, 
it's a lesson that I just typed up, but it's just the same ones that are up here. Um, but my first go-to is It's My Choice. I really like the new It Is Written ones. Um, and if you got homeschool kids, you give them those It Is Written ones, they'll have it done in two weeks, you know. And, and, um, and with the homeschool kids, I really like um, the It's My Choice. Um, and It's My Choice is really more of an individual study as opposed to a group study. I'm not a big fan of group study. Um, I just think it's more, more personal because, because of this, um, of that whole purpose of wanting individual attention with them. It takes more time, um, but I haven't done a group study in, boy, years, years and years. Uh, it's just, again, it's much my personal armor. There's some good ones up there. Troy Fitzgerald has a um, book, um, He's got three of them. He's got one for juniors, he has one for um, teens, and he has one for youth. And I can't think of the name of that. They sell them up here. Those are really, really comprehensive. Um, again, if you have homeschool kids um, in those age range, those are some really good studies. They're quite, um, quite thorough. Um, I have yet to go through them um, with anybody but, except a homeschool student. Because um, the other ones are just too busy, or they're just not, there's not a follow through with it. Um, um, those are the go to ones. There's some good ones online. Sometimes I'll send them online if the kid, if they have reading comprehension, but and the, the computer is something that's uh, better for them. We'll have them go on and study for the week, and then um, I'll have done it as well, and then I'll just hit the high points from it. and and review that, and then I'll go into the next weeks. Uh, I know what the next one that they're going to go to on the computer, and I'll go into that. So, um, so it's really a matter of taste. I do have a Bible study. I, I'll see if I can find a handout. I have all of the Bible studies um, that the ABC had as of four or five years ago, and I rated them. <laughs> and uh, if I find them, I'll print them off and, and we'll leave them over here. Well, this is the last class. I'll see if I can find it right now. And when Dave is done, I'll, I'll put it here. So, Sound good? Yeah. All right. You guys have been here for a long time. I don't normally, normally break you up, but um, had a lot to cover today. Let's all stand for prayer. And I encourage you, ask them. Ask them how their walk with Jesus is. And then be kind of an accountability person with them, right? Our Father, we're so thankful that you have given us the opportunities to witness to our own children, but also to the young people that cross our paths in our church or in our neighborhoods. We ask you that we will be found faithful to you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that will help us in this process. In your name I pray, amen. All right, thanks, gang. Uh, there's some really good books. Uh, this, if you have never read this, Ian Bounds, Power Through Prayer. This is a powerful book on prayer. And then this book here is a really good book as well. If My People Pray, there's some good stories in here. Randy Maxwell is the guy who's out on the West Coast. It's a really good one. And then on the back, I gave you some other books here, on books that are helpful. Um, How to Help Your Child, Child Really Love Jesus by Donna Habeneck. They have some of these up, up there. This is a dynamite book. She doesn't repeat herself over and over. Some books, you know, first three chapters are dynamite and then they just repeat themselves. But she doesn't do that. And I have never read this one, but it's, Christian values that every kid should know. Um, haven't read that, but if it's as good as this book by Donna, 
um, I recommend them. So. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.